Welcome to the Hero Nation podcast, where we give a platform to stories and characters in the media which are underrepresented, misrepresented, or not represented at all. We believe diversity in media matters because at the heart of geekdom is connection. And what better way to connect than building an inclusive society where all voices are heard? And since we love psychology, we also throw in a little bit of how these stories can be used in a therapeutic context. We are excited to be part of the Geek Therapy Network. Yay! Um, This is our first episode, and today we will be talking about Muslim superheroes. Hi, everyone. My name is Sophia Ansari, and I am a licensed professional clinical counselor. I currently reside in Chicago, Illinois. I am a professional development trainer and coordinator for the Midwest Play Therapy Institute right here in Chicago, and I provide play therapy trainings to clinicians all over the country. Hi, everyone. My name is Brooke Warren, and I'm actually from Chicago, but currently I live in Green Bay. Uh, right now, I currently work at Brown County Shelter Care, which is uh, a facility for children aged 10 to 17 who are there for a variety of reasons. Everyone that's there, though, is court-ordered. So it's whether their parents are abusive or be- mistreating them or they have some criminal conduct, that's why they're there. Uh, before that, I actually have all, pretty much all my employment has been working with children and youth. Uh, I've worked at the Boys and Girls Club. I was a special education co-teacher at Oneida Nation High School. Uh, when I was still in Chicago, I worked for a nonprofit called Youth Guidance at Calvin Park High School. And even before that, I did two years with AmeriCorps. Uh, but most importantly, my qualification for being here is I've been a comic book fan since West Coast Avengers, number 87, way back in 1992. Yeah, you are like a diehard comic book fan. Um, well, you, you are like the <laughs> comic book encyclopedia. For those who don't know, Breck has... I don't know. How many comic books do you have, Brack? I, I don't know. It's got to be somewhere around 50,000 now, to oh, be honest. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, insane. Yeah. So you have like a it's whole a room <laughs> yeah, yes. dedicated to that. So, yes. Yeah, so definitely excited um, to have Hero Nation um, and, and, you know, have it with you, Brack, because we have well, a you. shared passion and interest for all things superhero. Um, so that's exciting. And I want to say that before we begin... I need to make this quick disclaimer uh, that the topics discussed during this podcast are provided for general information purposes only and does not constitute medical or professional advice. The information is not intended to diagnose any condition or provide mental health treatment. All interventions and ideas should be used by professionals within the appropriate bounds of their education, training, and scope of practice. Okay, that was a mouthful, but I had to get that out of the way. So let's just dive in now to the fun stuff. Um, So, Breck, when you and I were discussing this project, it was super important to us that we highlight diversity in media because Mm -hmm. we both believe that representing marginalized groups of people in positive lights brings people together. And, you know, it also displays that sort of sense of belonging that we all want, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely agree. I mean, I think we all find comfort in seeing people who look like us, you know, on platforms like TV, film, and especially comic books. You know, it just makes you feel seen. And being a father of two and someone who works with kids, you know, I see the effect it has when a child can see someone who looks like them in a positive light. I mean, I know I asked you the question not too long ago, who is the first 
hero you saw to look like you. And I thought that was a very interesting conversation. Yeah, that was. And I remember saying that um, actually for me, it was Miss Marvel's Kamala Khan. That was the first person I saw. I was like, wow, she looks uh-huh. like me. And that's a little sad because she was introduced like, what, four years ago? Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah. So I, I just kept thinking how I wish she was around when I was a kid. That would have been such a, a thing of comfort for me during some really hard times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wish she was around, but I'm glad she's around now. So I'm excited about her. And so I want to know for you, Breck, who was the first hero you thought, hey, they look like me. The first person I remember seeing is actually Storm Ooh. way back at an arcade uh, playing X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. And then the first black male I remember seeing was actually in Avengers West Coast. Uh, I think it was number 94. It was War Machine. because He took off his helmet. And I was like, hey, it's a black dude. Right. And then the first black person I thought that was cool was uh, Luke Cage. And that was probably because his title in the 90s was based in Chicago. Right, right. And you're you're from Chicago, yeah. so that really connected you instantly with him, yes. I'm sure. Yeah. And you said Storm, and I went, ooh, mm-hmm. because Storm was, like, hands down one of my favorites. Um, you know, she was just this powerful woman of color and this huge strength, source of strength for me when I was a kid. I had, like... Mm-hmm a really hard time in school. I was being bullied. And I remember just going home and turning on the X-Men and Storm was like my person, you know, she was Mm -hmm. my sense of comfort. So she really does have a a special place in my heart. And so I really, I don't know, maybe down the line, we'll dedicate a whole episode to Storm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's definitely a lot of material out there. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, I think that would be cool. You know, I think the person we get so excited to see these heroes is that we usually see on TV and in movies is the worst of us. Right. Um, It's not only important to see yourself represented in media, but also to have that representation accurately depicted, you know, not constantly in a negative light. Uh, Because when people see themselves constantly as stereotype, they start to associate themselves in a different way. And it really has an effect on your self-worth. Absolutely. I I totally, totally agree. When you constantly see the worst of your religion or race or whatever group you identify with, it can take really a huge toll on your self-perception, you know? Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with that statement. And um, I want to say that in my workshops that I do, um, so I do a superhero workshop, which is like my favorite one I do. And I usually hear stories um, from people working with kids or, you know, just even adults who are using superheroes. And one thing that kept coming up over and over again in my trainings recently was the effect that Shuri from Black Panther had on black uh, young black girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, you know, seeing this, you know, these little girls are seeing this intelligent and powerful black female superhero, which, you know, unfortunately, they don't have those out there even though they exist because Black Panther's been around for forever right Right. Um, you know Hollywood's just now catching up but so I remember that character coming up over and over again in my trainings and clinicians Mm. saying what it did for their for the little girls and little boys Um, and so and I I know Breck that we've got like a whole episode we're dedicating to black superheroes and LGBTQ Mm. superheroes I'm really looking forward to all of those Um, I did I did want to share some statistics from a report uh, that was released by the Institute for Diversity and Empowerment at Annenberg, or you, I guess you, they call it IDEA. 
Yeah. And that's at Happy USC. Yeah. Um, the report is titled, and I don't know, have you read this? It's titled Inclusion or Invisibility, Comprehensive Annenberg Report on Diversity in Entertainment. Did you see that, Brad? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. I yeah. Yeah. That. So, so it details basically uh, how much lack of diversity in media exists today. The report was written by students and scholars of the Media Diversity and Social Change Initiative at USC. And so some of the information in the report looks at racial and ethnic diversity and gender sexual orientation. And it actually also even analyzes the sexualization of characters on screen. So just a few stats from the report. And what I'll do is I'll link it to our uh, web page and our Facebook page as well. Um, so here are some interesting stats. Uh, so it says, of all speaking characters on film and TV, 71% were white, 12.2% black, 5.8% Hispanic, Latino, 5.1% Asian, 2.3% Middle Eastern, and only 2% of all speaking characters across the 414 movies, television shows, and digital series were LGBTQ characters. Yeah, see, that's, that's uh, just crazy. And it is. And, and then in the report also uh, found that Latinas are the most sexualized characters on screen. So, yeah, this is just insane. Yeah, see, that's, see, that's just terrible. You know, I was thinking mm -hmm. about comic books when you're reading those stats. And comic books have an interesting history with diversity. You know, they have come a long way. I think they're probably way ahead of Hollywood, at least right mm -hmm. now. You know, Black Panther has been a comic book character that's been around since the late 60s. Just got a movie. X-Men have always been known, <clears throat> excuse me, for representation for minorities. You know, they came out in the 60s, but in the 70s, you know, they were known as the international team mm -hmm. because the team was from all different countries. In the 80s and the New Mutants, you know, they... They revitalized that with characters like Sunspot, who was from Brazil, Mirage, who was a Native American, and Karma, who was Vietnamese. But there were many times these characters were depicted stereotypically because the people drawing and writing them were not people of color. Right. Or the character's culture, and when that happens, it shows up as an inauthentic re representation. You know, I think that it's changed over the years as we get more writers from different backgrounds creating these characters and stories. You know, it's a progress, slow progress, right? Uh, but it's getting there. We have writers like G. Willow Wilson and Sana Mont, you know, who created Miss Marvel's Kamala Khan. They're Muslim women creating a Muslim female superhero. And, you know, she's coming from an authentic place because of that. Right. No, exactly. I, I agree again. And like you said, uh, it has progressed significantly in the comic book world. Uh, it may not have always been perfect, like you said, but I do feel like the comic book world at least has started the conversation of inclusivity way long before Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, because of that, we've seen change, you know, so and then on on TV, like in Netflix, we see them embracing, you know, characters that are adapted from comic books like Luke Cage. Right. Yep. Uh, so exactly. and, and even with Kamala Khan, who we're going to discuss later in this episode, uh, Marvel 
was actually super adamant about hiring diverse writers. And that's how we got G. Willow Wilson and Sana Aminat. Um, so that was like huge, like, you know, mad props to Marvel on that. <laughs> and I did read an, an interesting interview with Sana, and she says this, and I really love this. And so she says, authentic storytelling is powerful. Miss Marvel works because she's got a great story. She's well-rounded and not just some token character, mm-hmm. which I thought was like right on point, you know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I do want to make... I, I do really want to make note of some discussions I've had with people, um, even like recently, um, where people are sort of debating, like, why, why does it matter what color a, a character is? You know, isn't it the story that really resonates with people, not what they look like? And some people say, well, you know, comics are just for entertainment. You know, so those are some of the statements I've gotten from people. Yeah. And honestly... My answer to those people, um, you know, when we're having these conversations is that I think the reason why people want to relate to a character is because they want to see themselves in that story. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. And they want to see themselves in that story. They want to see themselves in that comic book or movie or whatever it is where they are essentially like projecting themselves onto that character, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, it does. Um, and and I always joke, and you know I'm cheesy like that. But I always say that uh, Miss Marvel is me, and I am her. <laughs> I might be delusional, but whatever, um, because <laughs> um, because you know she's she's Muslim, and I'm Muslim. She's Pakistani, and I'm Pakistani. She's from New Jersey, and I'm originally from Ohio, which is basically New Jersey, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I have this instant connection with her and I get excited when I read about her, you know, cause I have that mm-hmm. connection and she's a geek just like I'm a geek. So, so yeah, you know, Miss Marvel is me and I am her. I need a t-shirt that says that by the way. Um, and <laughs> even with that being said though, I, I do relate to a lot of other characters who don't look like me. I love Spider-Man. I love Batman. I love Superman, mm-hmm. but I do find that the ones that end up being my favorite are the ones that I relate to the most. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think they end up being your favorite or really, you know, or you really respond to them well because it gives you the message that if this character is important, then so am I. Yep. You know, also, when I was reading, rereading Miss Marvel, I should say, I read the letters page, and that's something I usually don't do for comic books, and actually they're not really there a whole lot anymore mm-hmm. and so many people like her you know we relate to batman and superman not because we're billionaires or aliens but because we have emotions you know we all feel and struggle with relationships make tough decisions go through trauma and loss and even people who aren't muslim or female will still relate to miss marvel just because you know they relate to her sense of humor or her fan you know her her geekdom if you will and, you know, not every character is going to have a story I can relate to. But when they do, when the character looks like me and goes through similar struggles, struggles, it's only a black male would really understand. Then that makes me love the character more because they reflect me. And I can even gain some insight as to how they handle the same struggles I face. A perfect example is New Avengers number 22. And it was written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Or, yeah, Brian Michael Bendis. And... The issue is all about Luke Cage. You know, it takes place during the first Civil War, and Iron Man and Luke Cage are talking about the law, and it was all about superhuman registration. You know, all people who had a power had to register with the government and be trained by the government. And Luke Cage was against that. He was like, I don't know. We'll wait till see what what happens at midnight. We'll see if I sign or not. And, you know, they're just talking back and forth and debating this, and 
Iron Man is bringing up laws and how they have to be followed. And Luke Luke Cage responds with, you know, slave rules onto law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how he wants his child to see him if he signs this law. And Iron Man was like, okay, you know, and just kind of left. And eventually, you know, when midnight comes, he doesn't sign and the police are there at his door already to arrest him. And, you know, the community ends up coming to the aid of Luke Cage and just helping him out. And eventually they leave and Luke Cage leaves with Captain America. And it's just all around a great issue. Just a great discussion that these two characters had. Wow, that actually, yeah, that sounds like a super powerful storyline. Mm-hmm. And and you said something that really, really, you know, struck out to me as you said, you know, some of these characters, they, you know, they experience something that only you, you know, a black male would experience, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you're reading that, you're instantly like resonating with that character. So I thought you made a, a really good point about learning from their struggles as well. Um, because there are, you know, certain struggles that a character of you know, not just a race, but even like a religion will face, you know, that mm-hmm. someone else wouldn't have to. So when you we were talking about Luke Cage, I was thinking about Green Lanterns, Simon Boz dealing with Islamophobia. So we see that in, in issue number zero where he's introduced, right? right? And, you know, I can you know, someone reading that, I can actually gain something and even learn from how he deals with those challenges. You know what I mean? And so when, when working with clients in therapy, we use these storylines to post questions like, you know, what worked for this character? What didn't work? Why? You know, what would you have done differently? So those are some great questions, you know, that we can kind of process those story, those really powerful storylines with. So yes, I will say awesome storylines matter, of course, and we can all relate to characters who don't look like us, of course, but I will say that it's also very important that we see people who reflect us. And when you see people who look like you in the media, it just makes you feel heard. It makes you feel validated and seen. It makes you feel like, hey, I matter and the issues I face matter. And yeah, it's just great to be able to see ourselves as a superhero. And exactly. I would also like to add that it's true you don't need to be a character's race to empathize with them. You know, I've related to characters who look different from me. But it doesn't mean that they shouldn't make black, Muslim, Jewish, gay characters or from any other race or culture. It's important to have characters that are that are diverse to give everyone something. Some people read it for entertainment, and some people want to connect to the stories and learn from them. So why not give everyone a little bit of everything? Totally, totally agree. Yep, I do. Um, So, you know, seeing ourselves as superheroes, I love that. Seeing ourselves as superheroes is such a great way to put it, Breck. Um, And it's also, if you think about it, great I guess like for others even to be exposed to multiple cultures and backgrounds as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really my segue to Miss Marvel. <laughs> we need like dramatic music and stuff. Um, so I love Miss Marvel and you know this. Yep. <laughs> and so I want to talk about her and we'll talk a little bit about Simon Boz um, from the Green Lantern universe and Wise Son from Blood Syndicate and um, a little bit about um, some other characters as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, Miss Marvel will probably be you know who i really want to talk about but anyway so so i was in uh, minnesota recently doing some trainings and so i was taking like an uber all over the place right and um every one of my drivers 
um, happened to be Somalian. So I don't know if you know this, but Minnesota has a huge Somalian population Mm -hmm. um, because of the, there's like a huge population of Somalian refugees there. And so, um, so yeah, I'd get in the car and, you know, they would ask me, Hey, what are you doing here? And I would say for work and we'd get to talking and I'd tell them that I was there talking about superheroes. And of course they're like, Oh, you get paid to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and I was like, yeah. And, and when I say superheroes, they instantly would, would say and this is like multiple like people they would say oh have you heard of miss marvel and that's of course when we like really get into it i'm like yes of course and they say oh yeah i love miss marvel you know my kids love her she's a great role model and and then they even say oh you know did you know she was muslim i was like yeah i did and so (laughs) and so you know it just really like i don't know it, it was just like this instant connection i had with strangers which is what comic books and just geekdom does anyways is it just connects us instantly so i loved that these these guys were just they just loved miss marvel as much as i did yeah and miss marvel is an awesome character you know for those who don't know she was created by g willow wilson and sona amanat she's a 16 year old pakistani american from new jersey and is the first muslim character to headline her own comic book you know, I really enjoyed reading and again, rereading this comic and enjoyed seeing her just being herself. She's kind of like the new Peter Parker in a way because she's really, really relatable. Yeah, no, totally. She's so she's so much fun. Um, she's also, um, I think in addition to that, the bio that you gave, Breck, she's also the daughter of immigrant parents who are from Pakistan, mm-hmm. like I had mentioned. Um, and basically, it's her just trying to balance her life as a teenager with trying to save the world. That's not hard, is it? Um, and I thought I had a lot of responsibilities. So, yeah. So she basically claims the mantle of Miss Marvel as her own um, after Carol Danvers, who had it before her, was basically promoted to Captain Marvel, which, by the way, I'm super excited about that movie coming out. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe they can throw like a little hint of Kamala in there. Wouldn't that be great if they put that yeah, in the some movie? some kind of little Easter egg. Something. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so, yeah. So, she, so Kamala takes on the role of Miss Marvel and... And, you know, the, the sort of the history behind how she was even created was because the editor, Sana, was actually having some conversation with another editor at Marvel about her childhood growing up, you know, as like Muslim American. Mm-hmm. And I guess she had some funny anecdotes or something like stories. And I guess the guy he really liked it. So he thought it would be a really cool idea to create a character kind of exploring those stories right and Mm -hmm. so you know and I want to say I know you know keep saying she's like a Muslim superhero and all this and I want to say that even though Islam is a part of Kamala's identity the comic book definitely does not try to preach about religion or Islam right so you've read it so you know that it's not like trying to do any of that Um, it's it's really just about struggling with labels and those awkward situations that we've all been confronted, you know, with, um, in our lives and we can definitely relate to. So that's really what it's about. It's just about all the things that we all as human beings struggle with. Yeah. Cause it's such a great series for anyone to read. You know, I enjoyed right. it and I know while I was reading it, you know, I was sending you text about questions about, you know, your culture and religion stuff. I don't know. And that allowed a really cool dialogue, and I learned something new. Yeah, I know. That was great. Like, he would send me, like, random questions, like, can you tell me more about why they say this <laughs> and what, what this means? Um, and so that just, again, points that, 
you know, that, you know, having exposure to characters that are from backgrounds different from you is just, it's giving you like a new understanding and even compassion for like even a culture that you might not even have exposure to, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. on a normal basis, some people don't have Muslim friends or even have ever met a person of color. And so the only like exposure they're getting is pretty like stereotypical stuff in the movies and TV. So um, like, for instance, like Muslims, I'll say, you know, on TV and movies are always portrayed as a threat or terrorists. And there's just so many misconceptions of the religion that are depicted on the news constantly. So it was definitely a, a breath of fresh air to see Kamala Khan, you know, just being a normal teenager doing normal teenager stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to emphasize that no one character from any race, religion or culture is representing that entire population. Right. Um, and so I think that the writers of Miss Marvel were really careful in that they made Miss Marvel her own person who doesn't fit into this neat little box. And I also love that she's Asian and not Middle Eastern, right? Because there are Muslims in all over the world. Um, yep. She doesn't wear a headscarf, you know, because Muslims, again, are a, a diverse population from so many cultures and backgrounds. There's no one size narrative fits all. So I do love that they sort of portrayed her in this other way, because like I said, we're just such a diverse group of people. Mm -hmm. And that's very true. I mean, just like all Christian characters can't represent all Christians in the world. Right. Exactly. So we both read some Miss Marvel, Simon Boz and Wyatt's son. And I want to talk about what we liked and what we didn't like about these characters or storylines. Were there negative story or excuse me, negative stereotypes? To start, we can talk about Miss Marvel because, you know, again, that's our favorite. And again, for those who don't know, she's a former member of the Avengers and current member of the Champions. She has shape-shifting abilities, huge geek, loves superheroes, especially Carol Danvers, who used to be Miss Marvel and is now Captain Marvel. She gets her powers after the Terrigen Mist was released by Black Bolt, the King of the Inhumans, and that actually caused Miss Marvel's genes to become activated. Now, Kamala uses her shape-shifting abilities to fight evil. So what did you like about Miss Marvel? Okay, so how many hours do we have? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I liked about her. Um, so I will say, like I mentioned before, I did like that they showed her as a Pakistani American and not Middle Eastern. So, you know, just news alert, Pakistan is not in the Middle East. It is an Asian country. Um, and so that was that was nice. And um, there's so there's this word that refers to people who are from that area of the world, like India, um, Pakistan, Bangladesh. And the word is called Desi. That's just sort of like the name. I don't know. Have you ever heard of that? That word? I have Brett? actually. Yeah. Okay, so because you have a lot of Daisy friends, so you know yes. this word. Okay, so <laughs> and so seeing a, a Daisy character for me was really special because the only Daisy characters I've ever seen on TV or in the movies are always depicted as um, taxi drivers, doctors, or convenience store 
you know, owners, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I've always seen. So, um, so I like that. And then also, you know, she doesn't wear the, the head scarf. And I could appreciate that because not all Muslims wear scarves. You know, some, mm-hmm. some choose to wear it, some choose not to wear it. And of course, depending on what part of the world you live in, some are forced to wear it. So it's important not to conflate culture, culture and religion, okay? Because oftentimes the culture or politics of the country basically dictate how people practice a religion. And that's where we get people doing terrible things in the name of their religion, right? Um, terrible, terrible things. So I loved how Miss Marvel, she even quotes something really important, uh, a, a verse in the Quran that is, I think, really important um, to put out there because so many times we hear about these people who are killing themselves in the name of their faith, right? And they're saying they're doing it for God. And so a verse that Miss Marvel reminds us about is, and this is what the verse is, it's whoever kills one person, it is as if he has killed all of mankind, and whoever saves one person, it is as if he has saved all of mankind. Okay, so I just love that. And I love that she had that, you know, she had said that, you know, in the comic book. And, you know, in, her, in response to the stuff that she was seeing on the news, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just, I mean, again, she's just like genuinely just a good character. Um, and, you know, for Marvel to highlight a Muslim American, especially you know, someone in their formative years, like Kamala, who's a teenager, um, and she's being like thrown all these obstacles at teenagers. You could not pay me more. You could not pay me enough money to go back to high school. But um, (laughs) so someone who's, you know, going through adolescence and all the obstacles and, you know, the way she handles everything and how she even battles evil and the bad guys is Mm -hmm. through compassion. Everything is through compassion. Like she has so much heart and honestly, it just gives me the feels like where's the Kleenex? Because I love Miss Marvel so much. <laughs> See, I could think of another really amazing example where, she, where she's trying to figure out how she wants to be seen by the world. Mm-hmm, and she was yeah. really struggling to accept herself. And the first time she got her powers and she emerged and she morphed into a white blonde woman wearing clothes that don't fit the modest lifestyle she is comfortable in. I mean, she even talks about that. She's like, "Man, these boots aren't working. This is right. th- this this outfit is giving me a wedgie." Right. She she just wasn't being true to herself. Yeah. And she changes herself into what she perceives as being beautiful or desirable, and she was trying to look exactly like Carol Danvers, but she eventually changed back to her normal self and dressed the way that she felt more comfortable. I mean. It, it it was funny reading that book again because I think she asked her mom for her burkini, I think it was. Right, right. And, you know, yeah, she just had to figure out her own way. Right. And it reminds me of a conversation I have, you know, I had about my daughter with my wife about the image of beauty that is re- that is represented in the media over and over. And I thought about the effect that would have on my daughter. You know, I didn't even realize I was doing this, but every commercial or TV or picture – and whether it be about hair or something else, and my daughter has curly hair, and I always say, Charlie, that girl, she has hair like you. And my wife told me that a standard of beauty is to have straight hair. And so now that I know that, now I make sure I emphasize, you know, everyone who looks like her. You know, that was huge for me because that's what I want to teach my daughter, that you don't have to change your race or religion or even your hair or whatever, you know, to change the world. Just be you. And that's the big message I get from Miss Marvel. Yeah, that's just 
amazing. There's so many messages you can get from Miss Marvel. And you were talking about the hair thing. And I, I was just thinking back to high school, how I would get up at like five in the morning every day just to straighten my hair. <laughs> I mean, how sad is that? Because of the, well, it's just growing up with that. Okay. This is the standard of beauty. Cause I have curly hair too. And it's just that, that standard of beauty with straight hair. And I would spend mm-hmm. so many hours where I could have been sleeping. Right. Um, so <laughs> when you were saying that, no, that's just so, so true. And that's why it's so important that we see all kinds of people on P- on TV. Um, Cause that's when, you know, you see there's just all kinds of beauty in the world, not just one mm-hmm. standard, whatever, you know, and you know, the things that you're talking about with Miss Marvel and her just at the end accepting herself for who she was, you know, not trying to be that blonde hair, white woman with blue eyes. At the end, she was like, I just want to be me. And in the psychology world, we call that self-compassion. And what that basically is, is just about loving yourself, you know, just treating yourself like you would treat a friend, you know, and, and not only yourself, but a big part of self-compassion is having compassion for all of humanity you know what i mean like loving everyone and instead of that whole us versus them or me versus you mentality which is terrible and we see that a lot right now especially um with what's happening like the political climate and stuff um all that does is breed hatred that's all that does so you know it would be amazing if we had a little bit more compassion in this world and we've just been seeing a whole lot of ugly recently and and it you know sometimes it just really bums me out but then i pick up miss marvel and she gives me more hope and she just fills us all with compassion and and teaches us about compassion. So I love that. And even speaking about that, there's that whole storyline where a character is being cyber bullied and Miss Marvel says this really awesome and amazing line that I actually printed and hung up because I love it so much. And it it says, um, imagine what would happen if compassion were normal. Imagine how many people would still be here. Um, So I was just thinking back to people I've known who've, who've taken their life because of bullying so that like when I actually read that I I mean I really did I was moved by that because I was just thinking back to all those people and these are friends family members you know um, that I know that if they you know if we had known you know a little bit more compassion for them or they had known at least a little bit more compassion maybe they would have been around if someone was there for them and so that's why comic books are so important to me because sometimes that superhero can be that source of compassion for you if there's nobody else um and so that same same storyline with miss marvel talked about um what happens when someone's bullied um, and I think this is, this is Zoe that I'm talking about. Oh, I don't know if I want to give like spoilers or anything, but you know, this is Zoe. And, and so basically she's sort of forced to be, to come out to her friends because of this virus, you know, that comes out the mm-hmm. doc X virus. And so, and they're you know making fun of her and stuff. And that whole panel was just about coming together. Um, and, you know, being there for one each one and you know for each other, and I don't know. Did you do you remember that whole panel where they're like hugging her at the end? And yeah. um, so it was just like that whole storyline is a great narrative therapy if you're going to be talking to your clients about self compassion and about connecting together rather than being isolated and apart. That actually is a great as a great one to to read. Is just Miss Marvel, um, and like I said, you get all you get self acceptance, you get kindness, you get compassion, you get humor. Um, you get all these things from Miss Marvel. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing, you know, and I love that her background story is so different from the normal origin story. She doesn't have trauma. She has a family that loves her and grows up pretty normal, to be honest. 
You know, I believe Sana made that point in the letters page. It was just an interesting change from what we usually see in superhero stories. I know, exactly. And I don't know, Breck, if you uh, saw G. Willow Wilson's TED Talk. Did you see I that? I did, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. so she talks about how she created the character, right? And how she was, when she was developing Kamala, how she basically wanted to hold up a mirror to the readers. So that was kind of nice. And she says to really reflect what this generation is dealing with. You know, she really wanted mm-hmm. to do that. And so there is a quote that I wrote down because I just loved it so much. <laughs> and it's from the TED Talk. So um, I really encourage everyone to look up G. Willow Wilson's TED Talk. But she says, she says, I saw in the Muslim community and in millennials parallel forms of anxiety, a sense the future is slipping through our fingers. But I also saw parallel forms of resilience, a profound emphatic belief that what we do now matters anywhere. Anyway, and so as I set about crafting challenges for young Kamala Khan to face, I had in mind a saying attributed to the Prophet Muhammad that seemed particularly relevant. If the hour of reckoning falls upon you and you are holding a seedling in your hand, plant the seedling. There's not always a way out, but there is always a way forward. Plant the seedling. So I just love that so much. And I love that Kamala, like you said, may not have had trauma in her origin story, but she was still faced with a lot of challenges. And the way she deals with those challenges is all stemming from her motivation and desire to do good. So another, you know, big thing about Miss Marvel. And I just love that. I mean, she created an amazing character with a background that is often misunderstood, like you said earlier, and it's been such a huge success. Miss Marvel really is the Spider-Man of this generation. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I will say you mentioned Spider-Man. I love, I do love Spider-Man. So don't write me letters. Don't, you know, (laughs) but I will say that the big difference between her and Spider-Man is that when, when Peter Parker gets his powers, I mean, I don't know what's a nice word. He kind of becomes like a jerk, right? Um, So, I mean, because he's all about like money and all of that, right? You remember, he said, that's that's all he's about. And he's focused on, he sort of like takes advantage of his superpowers. Mm -hmm. And Miss Marvel, all that she's ever wanted was to be a superhero, right? Just like all of us. I mean, we can all relate to that. But when she becomes one um, and she gets those powers, she never takes advantage of those powers. She always uses it for good. You know what I mean? She never takes advantage of it. So that was another prop to her. And another thing, you know, while they both got bullied, they they got bullied for very different reasons. You know, Spider-Man is bullied because he's smart. You know, Puny Parker, Flash Thompson always calls him. But Kamala is bullied because of her family, culture, and most of all, her religion. In the first issue, you know, Zoe, who you talked about, I call her 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 frenemy. Right. Um, says something about her being locked up over the weekend and something about her being oppressed, you know, when she tried to invite her to a party. And that's just another interesting difference. You know, I also thought it was funny how she was dying to try bacon. I think that's on the very first page. Right. You, know, you see her, you know, bent over at the counter and she's just, you know, sniffing the bacon. She's just, <laughs> oh, so good. And, right. And she says, infidel meat is what right. she said. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. And, you know, Muslims don't eat pork. So what do you think about her obsession with wanting to eat it? Yeah, I mean, I honestly just thought that was funny. I didn't. I have a sense of humor, so I didn't take it like, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I was just reminded of like 
all the times that I've accidentally eaten pork. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, this is really good. And then I find out later, like someone's like, well, Sophia, that had like pork in it. And I'm like, really? Damn it. You know, so, <laughs> so no, I love, yeah, I love that. And see, that's, see, that's again, another thing that's like super relatable about her. You know what I mean? So I thought it was funny and something I'm sure a lot of people out there could relate to. So I love that. And, you know, comparing Ms. Marvel, it reminded me of an episode of Master of None where Enaziz uh-huh. Anasari was secretly eating pork. Yeah, I remember that. That's hilarious. And yeah, Master of None is another is a great show. And Aziz tackles so many of the issues that we've even already discussed discussed today. And um, mm. so we probably need to do like a whole episode on Master of None. OK, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Something yeah, else yeah. I noticed, though, in Miss Marvel was her brother Amir is married to a black woman. Yeah, that was really nice to see because, you know, I one thing that I thought was funny, one of your comments is you're like, um, she has a pretty like stereotypical black name. What was her name again? It was like, was it Taisha? Taisha, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was interesting to, to see. I like that because, see, it's like tackling another topic of like, you know, interracial marriages and like how the families sort of like from two different cultures are mm-hmm. trying to come together and deal with it. So that was that was like really nice to see that, too. I really like that. Mm-hmm. So was there anything you didn't like? And also... What about some of the other stuff we read? Like, you know, like you said, Salmon Boz and Green Lantern and Y Son. What did you think of those? Um, I can't um, think of anything I, I didn't like about Miss Marvel, honestly, because, you know, I love her and she's me. So, hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but she, she's just a character that, you know, is near and dear to my heart. And she really just speaks of a story of connectivity and for for there to be a Muslim superhero like her is just so, so important because like we said earlier, you know, movies, TVs, and books inform the way we perceive individuals and groups. Mm. And so to have Miss Marvel tearing down myths and stereotypes just gives us an opportunity to understand people who may be different from us, right? right, um, right. So to again, you know, like break that us versus them mentality. And, you know, Miss Marvel does that even just again, like we've talked about Zoe and her, you know, former bully, you know, where she was calling her oppressed. And she even says some other like kind of like racist comments, right, to yeah. Miss Marvel. But Miss Marvel ends up like saving her on more than one occasion. I think she's like the first person she even saves, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's again like finding that common ground, like we're all struggling. So again, common humanity and and Miss Marvel just shows that over and over again. And uh and then you mentioned Simon Boz and Wise Son, who are some other Muslim superheroes. And I think we might talk about them maybe in greater detail later on, because for Green Lantern, I only read number zero, and that's where he's introduced. And then um, for Wise Son, Blood Syndicate, that was totally new to me. So I have my homework there to do. Um, But I know we'll probably talk about him in the next episode. Um, But I will say for the Simon Boz character, he is a Lebanese American and he's born in Dearborn, Michigan, which I believe the writer, Jeff Johns, isn't he also half Lebanese and from Dearborn, right? Yeah, Yeah, he is. Okay, so... In the number zero issue, he the book basically opens up with the events of 9-11, right? So his family is just watching this on TV and they're sitting there horrified. And um, as the story kind of progresses, it shows how their family deals with Islamophobia that follows after that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as the story kind of goes on, 
I mean, they kind of show like how people have um, his family like cleaning off the graffiti off the the garage or his sister um, having her headscarf, you know, like ripped off her head by some bullies. Mm -hmm. So they're showing all these different ways that, you know, his family is dealing with with hatred and and all of that following the events of 9-11 and then as we as the story progresses we do see that you know well okay he is he's a car thief um so (laughs) and then there's this whole thing where he steals a car that happens to have a bomb in it oh gosh okay Mm -hmm. and then um and you know he wants to do the right thing when he finds out there's a bomb obviously he doesn't want other people to be hurt so he drives it far away away from civilization so that no one else gets hurt and i don't know if he goes like he goes off to some like warehouse house area or something anyways the bomb goes off and of course you know when this goes off the fbi gets involved and they label him a terrorist right and they send him to guantanamo bay where he's questioned and tortured right so all of that kind of stuff happens and you know eventually you know he gets to yield the green lantern ring and all that that good stuff and i mean it it sounds like a a good i mean i want to see where it goes because i can't say too much just reading that background story because that was literally just his background but the only thing i think i had an issue with um and i know you know more than i do is um of all the weapons that simon boz could have had why did they have him like wield like a gun (laughs) Um, because again that's that whole like oh violent muslim kind of image that they're playing into Mm -hmm. so um so that's one question that i had i don't know what were your thoughts on that on the gun thing well i know in the gun thing like later on when his story picks up and he's you know gets gets his green get well gets his costume i was gonna say uniform because he's technically quote unquote a space cop but um when he gets it, you know, and he confronts the guy whose van he stole, and it turns out the guy planted the bomb on purpose and everything, and he tries to apprehend him or do something with him, knock him out, and, and the ring doesn't work because he doesn't know about charging the ring and the lantern oath and the actual lantern battery and all that. And so he's, you know, he finds a gun. He says, you know, in case this ring ever goes out, you know, I'm going to use this. And eventually, you know, he tosses the guns. Um, Batman and he actually teams up with Batman to get some mentoring and Batman tells him, you know, you have a strong will. You don't need these guns. And that eventually, you know, gets him to he's like, All right, cool. If I got it okay from Batman, you know, I think I'm pretty good. Oh, that's like really interesting. So I think when I had texted you about this, you said that the his storyline picks up back in number 13 through 13. 17. Was that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I really like that because you said, you know, after Batman was like, you don't need this gun. You have like everything you need inside of you already. Like you don't mm-hmm. need this weapon. You know, I, I just love that. And I was thinking how I could use that even in, in work with kids that, you know, you don't need to turn to violence or turn to whatever, you know, um, like a life of crime, you know, right. to get ahead, you have everything. You have like the willpower to do good. You have the inner mm-hmm. strength to just be you. And so, see, see, this is why like Batman is always used in therapy because he always has <laughs> like the the most wisest words, right? And he's like his like mentor, you know. And mm-hmm. we all know how Batman feels about guns. And so, you know, him just telling Simon Boss, "Hey, you don't need this." So I, I thought that was really powerful. So um, that really is like motivating me and inspire me to read more about Simon Boss because I was a little annoyed 
annoyed with him in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then you explain that. And so I might, yeah, I think I'll just pick back up and read more about him. So yeah, thanks yeah. for clarifying that. Cause that really got me. Cause I was looking at the cover and I was like, Oh, of all the things he's got a gun in his hand. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so that kind of annoyed me. And then you mentioned wise son, who's part of blood syndicate and mm-hmm. he's a black Muslim superhero with the power of invulnerability. And I actually didn't know anything about him until you mentioned him. Um, but I didn't, you did say, you know, he was, it was written by milestone media, right. right. Um, which we will go into in a, a lot of detail about in episode two, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about wise son and milestone media. Yeah. I'll just be brief. Cause like I said, we'll be doing more expensive right. next time, but milestone media uh, started out in the early nineties and it was distributed by a deal with DC. So when you actually see the books, it'll say, you know, have DC and the milestone image on there. And the four flagship books were Icon, Blood Syndicate, Hardware, and probably the most famous of them all, which is Static. And so Blood Syndicate is a street gang of superheroes. People don't join. They had to be jumped in. And in order for them to operate in the community, what they did is they burned down crack houses and stole the money from crack dealers. And Milestone Comics was started by African-American writers and artists. And what I liked about Blood Syndicate is that the team had a diverse group of superheroes like Asians. Uh, there was blacks. There was Latinos. There was everybody. And there were, you know, just a lot for us to explore and talk about in future episodes. Like I said, I don't want to say too much. But, right. yeah, Milestone was in a gang. And because of that, he got his powers. And I don't want to say too much. But unlike Miss Marvel, though, Why Son Religion isn't really ever mentioned or focused on any of the story arcs. But the fact that there are some black Muslim shows, again, that Muslims don't belong to any one race or culture. And there's another superhero, Dust, from Young X-Men, who I know you have a lot of opinions about. Yep. <laughs> so Dust or Soraya um, is a character that's basically on the opposite end of the spectrum from Miss Marvel. Um, she's from Afghanistan, and I do believe she's sold into slavery. I think that the Taliban. Um, so her superpower is um, surprise, surprise, but she can turn into dust or, or sand. Um, and she wears a niqab, which is that garment that covers the whole body except for the eyes. And so, you know, they portrayed this image of a Muslim, which, you know, I think that the writers had good intentions um, because she was actually, she was created after 9-11, right? So I'm pretty sure she was, it was yeah. like right after around then. And then, so what I think the writer who, um, by the way, isn't Muslim or from Afghanistan, um, <laughs> who, who was it? Grant, Grant Morrison? Grant Morrison, that, yeah. Grant Morrison, okay. So again, I think Grant Morrison, like, you know, had this, um, the right intention, like what they were trying to do is show an image. Um, so they had this image of a Muslim woman wearing this, you know, niqab, like this veil. And they were trying to say, Hey, um, people like this, you know, aren't evil or terrible or whatever, you know, like horrible thing is being said. They were just trying to like normalize it and say, you know, this could be a, this image could be a superhero. You know what I mean? So I'll give them a pass there where they were really trying um, to portray kind of a positive image. So the intent was good, but I can't stress how important it would have been for the writers to actually speak to uh, um, another Muslim, like a Muslim person or even someone from that region of the world, because there were some things that she does and says that I thought was like playing into that, you know, familiar trope, you know, that Muslim trope type thing. Like what? 
So there's there's a line that she says that really like I literally like rolled my eyes um, was if today is the day I die, then let it be a death that makes Allah proud. And I was just I was so I don't know. I was like, Ugh, puke. Um, it was just so stupid. I just I did not <laughs> like that at all. So because oh, honestly, anyone who's Muslim knows that like harming yourself and harming other people, you know, harming yourself is a sin. And so people who blow themselves up and and kill themselves thinking that they're going to go to to paradise or be rewarded. Those people are just majorly, majorly unhinged. Like there's something wrong with them. And they're definitely not motivated by faith, even though they say they are, it always comes from sort of some like political motive and they always have to justify their evil by saying it's something that's part of their faith. And, and it's not, and that's, that's the absolute lie because I don't care what religion you are. There is no religion out there that says it's okay to kill people or to kill yourselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, so when I saw that dust was sort of embracing that type of ideology, I got really I mean, I really got sick to my stomach. I was like, ugh, gosh. Yeah, well, that's just terrible. But it almost reminds me of when people say, you know, that phrase, we'll kill them all and we'll let God sort them out. You know, that isn't rooted in Christianity at all. So I don't know where that even came from, to be Mm -hmm. honest. So it doesn't sound like you were (laughs) as impressed with Dust as you were with Ms. Marvel. Right. But there's a character who is very different from Dust, though, and that's, uh, excuse me, Monet. Oh, geez, Louise, I'm messing up names today. And you'd think I would know this name. I have her first (laughs) appearance. Oh, do you really? Uh, Yeah, I do. (laughs) Way back in X-Men 36, 37, or Uncanny X-Men, something like that. Anyway. But it was Monet. Monet. Is it Monet? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Monet St. Croix. Or M. Just call her M, Brad. Just call her M M, because that's like her name. (laughs) Yeah, everyone calls her M anyway. So, yeah. And she's just another female Muslim superhero in the X-Men universe that was probably the first one out there. You know, she's been around since the early 90s. Like I said, the the Phalanx uh, Covenant, I think, was the crossover. And she breaks the stereotype. You know, her religion isn't obvious. Like, I just thought she was just straight up black. (laughs) And that was just (laughs) it. And, you know, I don't even think she mentions it until much later. You know, her religion much, much later in the storyline when she tells Strong Guy she's a Muslim. And he can't even believe it. And she's proud of it. You know, she is proud of being a strong Muslim female superhero. Yeah, M um, really is, like, I call her the OG of the Muslim superheroes because she's been around for so <laughs> long. Uh, I do remember reading something with her as a kid, but I wasn't really drawn to her. But now that I'm older, um, I'm, I am kind of curious about her. And she does actually have, like, really amazing abilities. And she's mm-hmm. a, a well-developed character just because she's been around for so long. Right. Um, so that's a lot of reading. But she <laughs> she is this mutant. You know, we mentioned, you know, um, you know, the X-Men and stuff. So she is this mutant, um, which they're already, you know, the outliers of the of the Marvel universe. And so then on top of that, um, she's a Muslim and they even have a storyline where she's facing anti-Muslim protesters. Um, Mm. so, um, and that's, I think that's probably where she says that, Hey, I'm a Muslim. Like, Hey, you want to see the face of the enemy? That's me, you know? And that's when Mm -hmm. strong guy is like, Oh, me too. But he was just kidding. He didn't believe her at first because like you said, like religion never came up in her storylines before. So I think it was a surprise for all the characters when she was like, well, I'm a Muslim. Um, so, you know, so again, you know, she's 
facing these anti-Muslim demonstrators, protesters, and it just, you know, again, comic books really do reflect what's going on in the world. Um, so we're seeing M confront the issues that we see today. Um, and we see comic book characters um, face the same sort of the climate we're facing today with the, the hate and the bigotry and um, that they get because of the color of their skin or the religion they follow or the powers that they have or the group that they're a part of, like whatever it is, they sort of, you know, go head to head with all those different obstacles. And and then, you know, we see Dust and she wears this niqab and Miss Marvel doesn't wear a headscarf, but obviously she's more more comfortable dressing modestly mm-hmm. and then M you know she's different from both of them because she's dressed you know super um what's the word provocative you know like <laughs> yeah. um like yeah like that kind of stands out when you look at her so again you know she doesn't fit into that little neat box of what someone might believe a Muslim is supposed to look like because of the mm-hmm. way she's dressed but you know Muslims dress all kind of different ways just because you're Muslim doesn't mean you're wearing the one thing right so um and so that's what I loved about about M, you know, is just she's not fitting into that little box. There's just all these superheroes are just different depictions of Muslims. And growing up, I never saw people who look like me depicted in the media. So again, this is like huge for us, right? And mm-hmm. and then after 9-11, all I saw were stories trying to connect my faith with violence and terror. And here's the thing. I know who I am and I know what I believe. And I I am not a violent person, am I, Brack? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I not. love everyone, and my compassion really stems from what my faith has taught me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I see all of these different, you know, positive, normal depictions of everyday Muslims, um, I just, that's what fills me with joy. I get super passionate. And really, that's why we started Hero Nation. So who, Hero Nation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But see, I love how Monet, see, I can't say it. I don't, know why. I don't know what's going on. It's a part of the X-Men, which is the symbol for those who have been discriminated against. Right. And so her being proud of that and being a Muslim and a female is, is just inspiring. You don't have to be female or Muslim to relate to these characters. Exactly. You definitely don't because they all have like the human emotions and problems that we all can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I want to say this was a great discussion. I am excited to introduce Miss Marvel to my kids and the kids I work with, which will be slowly but surely because I won't be giving them those books in a <laughs> while. Uh, she has a great message for people of all ages and backgrounds. There's been a lot of praise from Miss Marvel and take another look at her origin and how she got to where she is. You know, I can see why. And instead of focusing on, Mar- on Kamala's religion, you know, they focus on what makes her a person. I remember way back in the day, people saying that they like Spider-Man because they focused on Peter Parker a lot more so than Spider-Man. And you see that very much the same with Kamala. You know, the all-new, all-different Avengers annual was just Kamala's fan fiction about what she wrote about the different Avengers, and that's just fandom at its highest. All in all, I think one can learn a lot from Ms. Khan. I totally agree, Breck. Um, Miss Marvel is great. Everyone should read her. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I I think, you know, she's been super successful. Like, let's not forget to mention that I think that number one even got its seventh printing, which Man, is that that's insane? Just crazy now. Yeah, that's, and that's so rare, but um, yes. that shows you how popular she is. And so she's really like caught on. And so I just, I wanted to thank you again, Breck. Um, and then everyone who tuned in. So our yes, next episode, yay, 
our next episode will explore and we'll talk about black superheroes and we'll talk about milestone media a lot more mm -hmm. um yeah. so that's going to be a lot of fun and uh, some of you um you know may have heard of some of the characters we're going to be talking about in the future or maybe there are some characters you haven't heard of so really our goal is to you know have a discussion of all these different characters coming from different angles of representation that's really uh -huh. what this is all about because when we do that that's how we form open-minded communities and compassion you know when we show all the different representations of the world so again um, thank you Breck and everyone out there thank you and I also just wanted a little FYI but I will be speaking at WizardCon on August 26th um, about diversity in comic books yay. so yeah. So if you're going to be there, make sure to stop by and say hello. And you better believe I'll be talking about Miss Marvel. Uh, <laughs> so the panel is called Beyond the Superhero Mold, The Search for Diversity in Comic Books. So make sure to stop by. Um, so until next time, everyone, I want to say be kind to others, be kind to yourselves, and geek on.